Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by Editing. Let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Pharma John. The future of medicine is here at Pharma John. Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. I am Wes. And I am Todd. We are filmmakers, actors, writers, directors, uh, a musician, a producer, and we make things uh, and we try to bring that knowledge, experience, or screw-ups um, and and try to use that as a place of analysis, slightly demystifying, but hopefully just having fun, interesting, technical, and g- general conversations about films. But it's no fun if you're not doing it yourself. And so we just uh, yesterday I sent Todd an edit for uh, the short film we've been working on. He was in town for like an hour and we decided to shoot uh, apparently a 15 minute short film uh, that was originally (laughs) an eight minute short film. Uh, and so i sent you the edit yesterday and rough very very rough it's the first like i had only watched it all the way through one time that's how rough it was and i normally don't share that with people because i'm very protective of my creative process uh but i let you see it because you definitely get me (laughs) and so i feel less hesitant to let you in on that process what was it like for you watching yourself on film you're the you're the star you're you're the dude um of this film that's about a uh, busker uh, inhabiting a a street corner and pouring his love and heart into playing music for everyone anyone and a lot of the time no one (laughs) uh how did they hit you watching yourself and just sitting through you know something that came together very very quickly uh it was um awkward at first (laughs) you know because i I didn't know what you know i didn't know i was like oh is this gonna be bad oh my gosh what if it's bad what if Wes thinks it's good and it's bad? That's the to me. that's my nightmare. <laughs> you know, but yeah. I don't. I wasn't expecting that because yeah. I, I don't know. I think that our tastes are so similar, and no. and you're so hard on yourself that like it's it's yeah. I didn't I didn't expect that, but I did expect you to be nicer to me than than you would be to yourself. <laughs> to, yeah, to, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, he's um, my best friend. He's just gonna say it's good, even if maybe he secretly isn't that excited about it <laughs> exactly because because what can you do about it now correct you know yeah it, and that, that could that, be very much an attitude i take at times i know that's what i'm saying <laughs> yeah. it's like well why why would i tear him apart when i can't really change anything about it now so it's like yeah yeah good point i'm just never gonna work with him again um but no i i it's kind of like for people who don't record their voices a lot the first time or the first few times you hear your voice recorded you're like i don't sound like that you think that's not my voice and that was kind of how i felt at first which was is that really how i look oh that's a terrible face why (laughs) that that's an awful face bad face the Um, face that's in commercials all over america by the way yeah yeah, right well yeah they've made the mistake too um (laughs) and uh but i think I don't know. Maybe it was just a couple minutes in where I just kind of like let myself go a little bit mm-hmm. and just said, stop analyzing like it's you and start just watching it as a film. And then about halfway through, because I would just left the gym, but I couldn't, I couldn't wait. So I'd like kind of had it on. Right. And I, you know, I got into my driveway and it was about halfway through and I just sat there and I was just kept watching it. And I thought ha- about the six or seven minute mark, I was like, wow, this is, 
this is actually entertaining. Like, I don't know where this is going. I don't know what the, you know, cause I tried to watch it from the point of view of not knowing yeah. what the script was. Right. Just like somebody knew. Right. And I, I said, I don't know where this is going, you know, and I kind of didn't cause I hadn't seen the edit, you know, I'd seen the script, but, and, uh, by the end of it, I thought that was, that was beautiful. Like I really liked it not having anything to do with me being the person me being the, the actor but just yeah you're not that vain unfortunately well, for me. i mean yeah. yeah uh i'd like to think not but i i just i thought it was a beautiful story that was well edited and well told like i i noticed your camera work in a good way in a good way because i was watching kind of for that right yeah. and how you know in in this not to give too much away, but there's this busker and things happen and he, and, and he gets a little upset. Right. And in those, these moments where he's supposed to be upset, you know, I remember those moments on set and trying to feel that, right. Not emote it, but feel it, but you're, and, and, and it was fine. My performance was fine, but your camera work, like where you were, you know, like, like being across the street, having having it be handheld so it wasn't so like static so i felt a little off you know the 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 those times and like it just it i felt i felt it not through necessarily the performance but through the through the actual visual art of it right and i loved the 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 location location was fantastic man great find at what was it fourth and red river yeah great find there like the 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 night shots uh, are just uh, so beautiful. They're so beautiful, right? And the moments, like, there's these moments where I'm sitting on the ground. There's a moment where I'm sitting on the ground. These people are just walking by me. They're not looking at me at all. And this is all real. This is yeah. all, like, we didn't plan for these people to come by. And it just played It played really well. And, man, I'm not trying to toot your horn, but I'm kind of tooting your horn on purpose because, because like, it could have not landed, yeah. you know, even with the same performance with somebody else shooting with somebody without the vision, you know, shooting or, or whatever. And it, and it also, you know, to Serge's credit too, sounded really great. Like, I, you know, I'm sitting here watching it and you touched no audio. Zero. You said. I didn't EQ. I didn't literally Todd. I didn't even add like DB on a couple clips i literally oh my as god is yeah <laughs> it already sounded pretty damn balanced yeah. and pretty eq'd like it's it sounds really good and you're shooting from across the street right yeah. so in some in some scenarios and i know that we had him on most of the time but not all the time but anyway i it was it, and so my text back to you was i adored it right and and i think that was a good description of it because it's just a it's just a little story about a little emotion that it has big, like big feelings. Right. And yeah, it was, it was just, it was, I liked it. Yeah. It I'm pretty beautiful. excited about it just because I, I'm so in love with whatever Wong Kar Wai and films like everywhere, uh, everything everywhere, just because it's, it's, it's about internalizing things. It's not about always externalizing what's happening underneath. And I more and more, I'm drawn to those stories that let you, breathe in a moment, breathe in a space. And I've never told those kinds of stories. Um, and so I was just very nervous about going there and saying, Hey, do you trust your storytelling capability? Um, and what you're writing? Uh, because I knew the writing worked on the page 
and I knew it would work in the edit. The, the, but there's a lot that happens in between the writing and the editing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's everything. The meat of it. The meat of it. And that was the, the big question mark is could I put everyone in their, their best position to succeed and also be loose enough? Because that was a big point of this too, uh, was to go in not very strict. Like I didn't have any shot list walking on set, which is, zero percent like me i've never done that on yeah. any shoot before you know other than like documentary work and so walking in with that attitude of i think mentally i know what i want to do and if you were to watch there's that four and a half minute scene between you and jess uh if you were to watch that progression you would see the camera work change from the first through the fourth take like oh i started over here uh i i realized you know i didn't like that uh changed on the second take Oh, I realized I, I didn't like X, Y, Z changed that. And then the third and fourth look very similar. Uh, but I just left a lot of it. And I, mentally I knew, okay, I'm going to want some distance by the end of the film. I want to make sure we feel the disconnect. Um, and so in order to feel that mentally, I knew I was walking in wanting to start with a lot of close-ups and, and, and tights, um, even it doesn't matter how wide, uh, my lens was or how long I knew, I was going to be physically close to you and that would give me a lot of energy, a lot of uh, uh, intimacy. And then I also knew at a certain points I was going to want to jump across the street. And so I just started picking and, and choosing places to start inserting that um, based on what felt right. Like I didn't overly analyze it, which may surprise our regular listeners. I was just like, I'm going to just feel my way through it. And the whole point was for us to just have fun, get on set, have fun. Don't beat ourselves in the face over this thing. And that made me nervous as well. And so putting that first edit together and I watched it and I was like, am I crazy or is this kind of working? Um, <laughs> and I just needed a second set of eyes. Uh, yeah. Just someone who knew, you know, the, the film a little bit. Um, and so I was like, I don't trust anymore, anyone more than Todd. And so I was like, if, if, if he comes back and he's like, Cool, man. I think, you know, I, I, I would never judge you if you were like, man, it's just not working for me. Um, it's unlikely for you to say something like that. And so I was already ready to analyze heavily analyze your response. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah. whenever you came back with that, I was like, oh, wow, no, that's accurate. Uh, you saying I adore it because that's how I felt. I felt charmed and uh, that I just adored it. Like it's not trying to be a big thing. It's letting it be a small thing. And and as we'll discuss, I like small, intimate stories far more than, you know, ones that are trying to accomplish all the things and make you feel. We talk about superhero movies where the fate of the universe is at stake. And you're like, I can't imagine the universe. <laughs> yeah. But if you tell me the, the, the fate of this cat is at stake mm -hmm. now that I can buy into. Cause I know that cat now. Yeah. Um, and I've seen it, you know, chase the ball of yarn or whatever. Right. It's like, that's more personal. It's, it feels more real. And therefore uh, the stakes are ironically, you know, higher. You yeah. just don't expect the small things to mean more and yet they do. And so, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I think we, we talked about once this thing is finished. Um, I learned a lot in the process about, uh, things I do and don't like uh, with film. And so I think once we're we're finalized uh, and this thing is shipped, so to speak, uh, then we'll do a bonus episode on our Patreon and just kind of go through the whole thing, uh, the experience of shooting it, 
uh, writing it pre-pro. Um, I, I think we have different perspectives on certain parts of the, uh, you know, process and it'll be fun kind of hashing that out. Maybe we'll bring Jess in for a spell, uh, to, to discuss, you know, what she experienced and yeah, whoever else, uh, it'll be fun. I think that'll make for a really fun 90 minute bonus episode on Patreon. So if you're not a subscriber there, we have a lot of stuff. I've, I've been doing, wanting to do more stuff with key. Uh, and we did one episode on the bear and I lost her because she got, uh, a job, an internship at one of the best production companies in the world. And so, well, there you go. Yeah. She, she asked me not to say, even though it's technically public, but the, the, the agency, um, is very, I don't know, sketchy on just not, not necessarily privacy, but just making sure their interns don't get exposed to, uh, bad elements, let's say. And so, yeah. Uh, so I, I don't expect to see her on, one of our episodes again until like a year, but I am working on new stuff with Joe. I'm inviting Joe and we're going to start by looking at the Orville. Um, and so I'm excited to do that. And if you have time, Todd, uh, you should join us, but yes, yeah. an undertaking it's, I mean, it's like 10 or 12 episodes, but, oh, uh, wow. I'm excited to just talk sci-fi with, with Joe and hopefully you, but no pressure cool. <laughs> Todd, <laughs> to be everywhere <laughs> all at once. <laughs> nice. Well, to that end, Today, we are covering everything, everywhere, all at once. If you have not seen this film, please pause the episode and go watch it because it's going to spoil a bunch of stuff. Yeah, we'll look at a bunch of things. My notes are very loose. I I debated there's two ways to approach a movie like this, and that's uh, more conversationally, more fluid, or uh, very detailed because there is so mm. much, so much, so much happening in this movie. Uh, I could easily spend just an hour and a half, two hours going over, you know, and piecing it all together. And both of those actually sound really fun to me, but I think for this and maybe I'll do another episode at some point, we can go into like crazy detail on it on a bonus episode. But I just really am more interested, I think, in the conversational aspect. This in one sense reminds me of a ghost story where there's different ways to look at a movie. Sometimes it's the conversation around the movie. That's just as exciting as the movie itself. Uh, and I think this is one of those times. Uh, but we'll look at some of the writing and directing, the the humor and drama, making tough subjects palatable for everyone uh, and other such stuff and things and stuff. And a quick synopsis of the film. When an interdimensional rupture threatens to unravel reality, the fate of the world is suddenly in the hands of a Chinese immigrant who must connect with other universes and the lives she could have led. Written and directed by Dan Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. Cinematography by Larkin Seipel, featuring Michelle Yeoh as Evelyn Wang, Stephanie Su as Joy or Jobu Tabaki, Ki Hui Wan as Wayman Wang, James Hong as Gong Gong, and Jamie Lee Curtis as Deirdre or IRS agent. Listen, you're only using the other words that acquire special skills, do you understand? If you fall for the temptations, you invite contradiction, chaos. The clay pot could shatter and you could die. Or far worse. What can be worse than death? Wish you can move it until we test. No, no, no. Enough of your clay pots, cream cheese, no cows. Explain it all to me now. You're right. In the Alphaverse. We began training many young minds to verse jump. 
But there was one who was far and above the most gifted. Our little explorer. You saw her potential, so you pushed her beyond her limit. Warning. Unstable. Those overloaded mind usually dies. Instead, her mind was fractured. Warning. Now, her mind experiences every world, every possibility, at the same exact time, commanding the infinite knowledge and power of the multiverse. Now she's seen too much, lost any sense of morality, any belief in objective truth. What does she want? No one knows. All we know. She's looking for you. Okay, everybody, deep breath. <laughs> Don't forget to breathe. <laughs> All right, Todd, if that's your real name, uh, Tobu. <laughs> so, Tobu Jabaki. So, you've seen this a couple times. Uh, it sounds like uh, maybe yeah. three or four times. We saw it uh, on a, a layover. Basically, you you popped into Austin for the holidays and we, we dropped out to, to go check this out and then had a great conversation in the car. And I really w wish I had debated bringing like a zoom recorder just to, I knew we were going to have a conversation and mm -hmm. I wish I'd recorded it just as a bonus episode. Right. And largely we both loved it, uh, with minor, like minor reservations, uh, but overwhelmingly loved it. And I'm, I'm curious in the intervening, whatever, viewings you how is it landing for you now what is this speaking to um how do you feel about it well this is one of those films that's definitely i would say even if you get it quote unquote the first time definitely uh requires a second viewing i will i will say requires um because i just think that you get so much more watching it again the first time you don't know what's happening you're not fully present when some of these really important moments happen uh because you're just trying to follow along right and you're trying to get it and you're and you know you're a little shocked when some crazy weird things happen like the 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 um the hot dog fingers situation you're thinking what the hell you know but on a second viewing it takes on a different meaning right you know this idea of everything that could possibly happen happening all at the same time is kind of mind bending. Um, and so you're trying to process all that while staying present in a story is really difficult to do. I mean, it's also very difficult to create. So like this is a this, this whole movie to me is, I mean, the more I watch it, the more I absolutely adore it. And I think that I would really like to have heard that conversation that we had because I probably am completely different now. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that after my first viewing, you know, I, I was, it also depends on where you are in your life, right? Like, I think that if you are just straight up happy and everything is great in your life, you could look at this movie and just watch it as a movie and think like, oh, you know, like, yeah, yeah, it was fun and funny and weird and, and interesting. Okay, cool, cool. You know, but it, you know, if you have children or you're married or you're depressed or you're, you know, you feel lost at some points or whatever, like, I think it just takes on a completely different meaning for you, depending. And the more you watch it, the more you can identify with all the other types of 
scenarios that happen. Even the sausage fingers scenario was beautiful. It was absolutely gorgeous. And the first time I watched it, it was just, it was just funny and weird and like, what the hell is going on? But the second time I watched it, it's heartbreaking and beautiful. And how do you make that heartbreaking and beautiful? Like you, you gotta have intention behind not just your script, but your acting and your and your cinematography and the editing. I mean, the editing and the music in this film is up there with any any other Oscar winning film I've ever seen. It is unbelievable because it keeps you in these moments that are so easy to lose you because they are so opposite from what you were where you just were five seconds ago. So you have to I don't know, you have to use all the tools at your disposal to keep people there. And I think that that they do it so well. And there's literally everything is there. I mean, you go from from, you know, this chaotic, just slow down, my God, you know, uh, feeling in the beginning where she's just all over the place. And she there's all this yelling and she's running around looking for these clothes. And you're just like, stop. Oh, my gosh all the way to complete silence where there's only subtitles and you're a rock on in a desolate wasteland, right? For all eternity. And yeah, that's a possibility too. And that was, that, that moment got me like, it got me in the theater and it got me again. That moment is just absolutely brilliant. Anyway. So the more I watch this film, the more it's like becomes one of my favorite films, to be honest, it's just, so beautifully done and the idea of (laughs) the black hole being an everything bagel (laughs) is so wonderful and beautiful you know i didn't really get it the first time i watched it i mean i got it yeah i get the idea concept of it being an everything bagel sure but if we're representing everything everywhere all that at the same time is like just a beautiful thing and how her daughter is her how, how joy is jobu is is just a wonderful thing too because she's searching for her daughter her real daughter like she's trying to save her daughter her daughter's searching for her mother we're constantly doing that as as parents as people like i love you i'm trying to find you i'm trying to keep you close i'm you know but at the same time i need to let you go like all at the same time and finding that balance well you know what you are getting fat you know and and I I am your mother, so I'm gonna call you all the time and and all this stuff. And you don't have to always pick up, you know. But you're also pulling away from you know all. It just there's so much that sometimes we don't slow down, and and it addresses all of this stuff. And and then you know having that wonderful moment where she's sitting on the on the uh, outside the the laundromat with with Deirdre, and and talking to her is like. Beautiful. I the first time I saw it, and I'll say this, and I'll, I'll stop and let you talk. But first time I saw it, I really identified with the husband a lot, and mm. and I I thought, oh, you know, he's doing everything that he possibly can, you know, and and yeah, I'm sure he's not perfect as a as a mate, but this, at the same time, like he feels he feels completely invisible, and and what is he supposed to do? There's no he has no other choice. He has to like he has to do something. And then at the end or, or his end of his main end of his story where he's like, she's broken the window and he's cleaning up the, 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 the glass and she just looks at him. Like I, I, 
oh man, I can't even talk about it. Like I, I kind of lost it a little bit. And, and then he talks to Deirdre and then everything is okay, whatever. And she just hugs him. And I was just that, I mean, and I think I said this in the, in the, in our conversation, the movie could have ended there and I would have yeah. been, I would have been like, okay, that was un- incredible, incredible. So yeah, that's how I identified with it the first time. The second time I still identified with that, but I found another way to identify with it. And I, and you know, I think, I think every time I watch it, I'll find something else. And that's such a wonderful thing in a film now to, to have that. I don't think that we, that we have a lot. I mean, we do have those, but um, and, and usually in a way like, oh, you know, like in that Avengers movie. Yeah. Did you see this there? There's a little shot of this over here. Did you miss that? Yeah, I missed that. No, this is like concepts, you know, like, oh, if I watch it again, I'll get a new concept that I didn't catch before, like a whole way of thinking like, oh, OK, interesting. So it, I adore this movie so much. And the more I watch it, the more I love it. That's really cool. I largely feel the same way i think that first viewing some of the humor just wasn't working it's hard to walk into a movie like this and not bring like a few bags with you yeah uh and that was kind of one of my bags of oh this the the hot dog fingers i get it it's silly and they they need you know the, the silliness um and i appreciated what it was there for even if i didn't appreciate you know the humor uh that just it wasn't quite far enough in the silliness uh, to really hit me. Um, and ha- that's a chunk of the humor in this film. And so walking out, I was like, okay, yeah, that was fine. Overall, it was still very funny. There's still a lot of great entertaining moments that will make you laugh out loud. Like I've now I watched it twice, you know, last night and then this morning. And I still, there's still moments where I just, I'm going to laugh. <laughs> it's just going to hit you in the funny bone. But at the same you know, on, on repeat viewings, I appreciate more the the hot dog fingers and like you're talking about the story that's embedded in that. Uh, if 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 for no other reason, yes, the their connection between uh, the Iris agent and and Evelyn, uh, but also because of the extra level of connection it gives to her daughter. Because in that universe, Evelyn's gay, you know, and that's a moment for her to, oh. I can start to wrap my head around. And it's interesting because when she finds herself in that universe, the first time she rejects it, right? She runs into another room and it leaves her lover confused. Like, what did I do? I'm sorry. Oh, so there's, (laughs) yeah, there's all kinds of like beautiful layers are playing with just in that one story to your, to your point about like the more you watch it, the the more concepts and uh, things float out of it uh, in in the best way possible. And it's so accurately named everything everywhere all at once, because that's, you know, almost literally what it's trying to tackle. It's trying to tackle so many topics and there's so many ways that you can watch this movie and all of them are right. Um, none of them are wrong. Uh, and that's really fascinating to come up with something so broad and so ambitious and to actually land it like houseway, like I don't know, man. Uh, that's I don't have the answers, but I, I, yeah, I, I think going through it and 
and kind of re-experiencing beat to beat and uh, getting to see the brilliance in the writing and directing, especially like I, I completely agree that the editing is fantastic, but uh, and I'm sure the editors or editor, I don't know. I imagine this couldn't have been edited by less than two people, but maybe. But to me, it's this isn't an editor's movie. This is a writing and director's movie because the the editing is really putting together the puzzle pieces and the writing and directing are the ones that are creating all these puzzle pieces um, because you have to see, you know, around the corner, you know, a year away from production and know what you're going to need on that day of production how you're going to need to execute it. And you just, I'm sure there's been a, there's a handful of moments where they had an idea that they're like, ah, it doesn't seem like it's working. And the editor is like, get out of the room. <laughs> like, let me, let me show you how it's going to work. But I think by and large, this came together because of really incredible vision in the writing and directing. It's all there in the story. It's all there. I want to read the script, but I imagine it's mostly on the page, but there's probably a lot of things that didn't make it on the page that was just like, they knew what they were, they had boards, right? Their director's notebook was probably, uh, looked like a set of encyclopedias or you're just like, okay, uh, we're on to, you know, the, the third book now. And it's just all fitting together. And it's just, you can see it's a labor of love. They didn't rely on post. They didn't say, oh, we're, we're just going to punt all this to post. They just said, no, uh, we're going to spend, who knows, a week of grabbing inserts. <laughs> we're going to do a bunch of cutaways and it's going to take us a uh, minimum a week of, hey, Michelle, yo, don't make any plans. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. We are going to be running around this city and that city. Uh, we're going to you know, do you in makeup for half a day here to get like uh three frames worth of stuff and it's just you can feel the labor of love on a very tactile level um in a way that reminds me a lot of sorry to bother you right where it's just we're going to do it in camera you know very very little is going to be left uh to post even though there's clearly a lot of post work done i'm not you know denying that it, it, it exists even the shot of her flying away from the desk to the closet like that's clearly uh a uh, composite of her and you know some some really nice camera work uh, and it's just done to perfection though uh, you have to know as a director exactly what you're trying to achieve with a shot uh, and sure give yourself some wiggle room but the transitions in this movie are insane you you have to plan for all of that <laughs> very little of it can happen by accident when you're doing all these match cuts and they have an entire movie of match cuts it's crazy um and that alone is worth you know studying uh up until this point i've always thought the movie stay has had the best transitions of any movie i've ever seen uh and this it's this is probably better like uh on an emotional level i still might go with stay because of how well it's interconnected with the story they're telling but this is the same thing this is still incredibly interconnected with the story they're telling. I mean, some of it is just, you know, very silly, uh, and, or very simple at least. Um, like the, the, the way Jobu TikToks in and out of universes, uh, there's this very simple shot sequence of her, you know, if her head is a clock and she's at noon, she kind of ticks to one, two, three, nope, two, one, 11. Ah, here we are, right. She's looking for the right universe and it's embodying this idea of space and time 
right there in a visual frame, um, as well as it, you know, they, they have some sound effects that layers right on top of it of a top clock actually ticking. And so it's creating so many layers of depth and it takes, you know, five seconds of screen time to do something that probably took, you know, a few hours of actual onset time, uh, yeah. as well as coordinating with your actor. Like you said, you have to act with intention in this thing. Um, and so this is making sure in the cast is so, so good. Stephanie Sue is a revelation. Like I've seen her in other stuff. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I think she's really good in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, but this, she unleashed a can of whoop ass on everyone. So good. We all know Michelle Yeoh is like the one, right? We, that that's not new, but getting to see her flex her, her actual chops, um, is just incredible. Um, seeing her, you know, in, in her early, for me, the, her early career of, Crouching Tiger, Tiger, sure. Memoirs of a Geisha, yeah. But in in Sunshine, like those are all really good films where she gets to kind of do a thing. You're going to do this one thing, and you're going to do it amazingly well. And then to see her come and do this completely different thing, where she embodies so many other types of personalities, you have to create these very strong character personality traits if these other characters are going to be able to live. If you can't see them distinctly from apart from one another, they don't exist. And so she has to create these very strong characters um, and deliver it. And some of them uh, are, you know, hilarious and silly and some of them are serious. I love the Wong Kar Wai sequences in here where and this movie is a movie about movies, you know, as much as it's about uh depression and life and nihilism and existentialism uh, and optimism and, and pessimism. Like it's also about movies. <laughs> like uh, it's clearly built on a foundation of the matrix, right? There's just heaps and heaps of matrix between the crab walk between cubicles that she does early on in the film, you know, hiding mm -hmm. away from the IRS agent. And then there's the, obviously, you know, bullet stuff, uh, bullet time kind of stuff. Uh, yep. But there's also like, alpha team and nebuchadnezzar you know the jumping in and out of this and that uh they and i picked it up the first time through and it's funny i every time i mention this to people you didn't catch it first time through maybe you caught it this time other people i've talked to you haven't caught didn't pick up on it but uh at 121 i have to like time mark it so that people can go if they don't know what i'm talking about and listen to it um, there's an audio cue directly out of the matrix well before uh, she does the bullet stop. It's right after the the pinky kung fu phase um, mm -hmm. she's fighting, you know, the alpha gong gong, and it's right before the grenade goes off. There's an audio cue that's like the the choir and and I don't know synth or strings um, where they they cue it exactly from the Matrix, and I picked up on that. And I was like, oh, there's more re Matrix references coming, and so I knew the bullet time was coming, like. 30 minutes before it arrived just off that one cue. Cause I was like, this is that moment, right? Uh, and yeah. it's that moment, you know? Yeah. And so there's just so, so many movies in here and I love the Wong Kar Wai usage. Uh, it felt very in the mood for love and I just, I, I adore it. You know, they do the whole, uh, and it's funny, it's in our short film as well. The, uh, the under crank, uh, time stepping, uh, frame stepping where, you know, there's these blurry frames, um, that happen. And it's the one where she's the, 
the the kung fu actor now and she's catching up with wayman uh for the first time in ages since they were kids basically and they're having that conversation about what could have been uh and it's very wong car wide uh if they did nothing else mm-hmm. in this movie <laughs> yeah they would have had me there <laughs> yeah right uh and it, and that's still scratching the i mean there's clearly some very uh uh, I don't know Jackie Chan films very well, but this clearly had an influence uh, on the film um, and just classic Kung Fu stuff, uh, which I am not fluent in at all. Uh, and so it's a movie about movies. It's a, it's a movie about all the things. Um, and it's just a really, really huge vision that uh, you can't help, but just love. I mean, mm-hmm. like you said, you go back through more and more and you can see, the second time through, I did catch something I never would have picked up. You couldn't, you really can't pick up your first time through. Uh, it's the first time we meet Joy. What is she doing? She's staring into a washer and we see the reverse cut. And what is she looking at? She's looking at the, the laundry tumbling. And what does it look like? It looks like a bagel. It's the, it's the big hole in the middle. She's staring into that hole um, and kind of lost before I think Becky or her mom pulls her out. Uh, which is very emblematic of the entire movie. It's pulling her out. Yeah, man. Yeah, I didn't see the Jackie Chan reference, but you're totally right. And that is that's all over, be, all over it. Because one of the things about Jackie Chan films is that all of his, all of his, his like fight scenes and stuff, and in almost all of his movies, he just grabs what's around him. Like he uses he uses things that are nearby to fight with. And and they do that all over this movie. Like that is like that's how they that's the movie, you know, right? get a new skill. Yeah. Right. Oh, he's got to cut his, his, you know, paper cuts between the fingers <laughs> and then he's got to oh, you've got to eat the chapstick or whatever. It's, oh, and he's going to use his fanny pack as like a, a, a nunchuck almost. Yeah. Like it all over the place. And that kind of fighting style, very quick cuts, you know, like uh, anyway. Uh, I I didn't see that until you just noticed you said that and I was like oh yeah you're absolutely right it's right there yeah just I think you're you're putting it so well like using what's available and I love the moment when she's surrounded right it's after she walks out of the safe right she gets her new lung capacity capability um, and she walks out and there's just like a SWAT guy and he's holding this big shield and um, she starts analyzing how can I use this shield and she finds the sign flipper. And she's like, yep, that'll do. And I love it. All the action in this film is really great uh, because it's so over the top, right? None of it is just, you know, very serious and very real, right? It's very heightened and dance-like, very classic kung fu. Sometimes people get hit and they do a flip that's in the wrong direction, right? Where the momentum should have taken them one way and they went another for probably choreography reasons like, Oh, it'll look better. And we want them over here. Um, like I'm thinking specifically in that same sequence with the, with the shield where she's beating everyone's ass with the, uh, the SWAT shield. And she slaps one guy, you know, moving from right to left. And he does a spin going from his right to left, uh, which is the wrong direction. And I think it's fun. It looks beautiful, but because I think he was able to fly more into the direction of the window to give him more contrast uh, so that we can see him better. Whereas if he'd flown the other direction, it would have pushed him into the wall where there's less contrast, less lighting to backlight him. And so it's like, Oh, that's fine. Right. This is about 
the the entertainment the the style this is about buying into the style of what we're doing not necessarily about getting it right so to speak and i love films that are more committed to their tone and to their style than they are to committing to uh, being grounded or realistic and what world do we need this kind of movie to be realistic uh the only things we need to be real are is the drama the drama between the family everything else can do whatever it wants it can be whatever it wants there are no rules as she says in in rockland and it's yeah. just genius uh it's it's uh there's in oh my god there's also like hitchhikers references right uh 42 early on in the film right customer's laundry uh number 42 has moved upstairs right and she goes up and finds that it has googly eyes on it and that kicks off her frustration Mm -hmm. but it doesn't end there i think 42 is a reference to the improbability machine um and how that connects this universe to all other universes is being as improbable as you can and that's where the weirdness kicks in and so it's it's lovingly having all these homages to other universes, other stories in order to tell this story, this particular thing. And God, yes. And, and right back to hitchhiker's guide. The point is not what like she's searching for her daughter to save her daughter. But the point is not, is not saving her. The point is what is the question you're asking of, uh, to her daughter which is the whole point of hitchhiker's guide which is you're asking the wrong question <laughs> right? Right. the question is what is the question what is the right question uh the search for that and it's the it's the same thing where she's just trying to discover that and and uh yeah it, great points there it's so good i'm gonna jump around now because again my notes are chaos um yeah. so as is this movie as is this movie fair enough so one of the things I really loved is that they're being audited. Uh, it's a very simple writing decision uh, because being audited is not something you run into many movies. Like I think off the top of my head, I can only think of one other movie, which was about uh, a tax agent, right? An IRS agent. Um, otherwise, how often is being audited like a thing in a film? And it's so great here because it's pertinent to the story at large of her life is being examined and her life is being audited through her daughter and what her daughter is forcing to the surface, what her husband is forcing to the surface. Every detail will be brought into the light and judged. It's not just, oh, we're going to look at it. It's like, no, she's about to be judged and she's going to have to make some decisions on what stays and what goes. What does she own and what does she uh, get rid of? And it's yeah, just a really simple, beautiful idea that uh, is not obvious at all. Um, whenever you're starting a story, like oh, we're gonna tell a story about someone who can jump in and out of universes at will. Okay, you know what that needs? IRS. <laughs> we gotta have we gotta have an audit if you're gonna do this right. <laughs> like that's not that's it's not obvious at all. And it's such a, a genius stroke of of imagination. Um, because it, it allows for so many other things to happen, right? The power of the government and the power to call security, um, a really big, boring, vacant office building uh, to take advantage of. And that's so easy to come by, right? That's a, a budget saving idea in so many ways. Yeah, cubicles, lifeless cubicles all over the place. You don't want beautiful stuff in this movie, except where you need it. And for the crux of the story to take place in this really boring cubicled tedious atmosphere is absolutely perfect for the story they're talking about i love seeing wayman whenever they're walking in to to the building 
he sees an old Asian couple kissing in public and we immediately understand him. We immediately get him. This is what he wants. This is what he needs. Um, and so whenever, you know, we're thinking about the divorce papers, we're starting to, to very strongly get a picture of who he is and, and what's missing. Yeah. Because otherwise you see the divorce papers and you see how happy he is and how much he's trying. You're just like, why is he wanting a divorce? He doesn't Dude, feel unhappy. Yes. Yes. Thank you for pointing that out. That moment is fan without that moment. His, his whole role in this is like lost, but he, you have that one five second shot of him seeing them and you see him longing. Like I can see him longing for that. And then everything else he does in the rest of the movie has a whole different meaning because of those five seconds. And if you miss those five seconds, you you just don't like this guy, right? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. So good. I love the flashback when she's getting her first uh, jolt of scan, right? It's scanning her life and potential paths that she could have taken. Um, and the, the first thing we kind of see is her father's disappointment when she's delivered, right? And the doctor says to the father, I'm sorry, it's a girl. Ooh, that's a nice punch. And it's also a really great criticism of China because China for a long time has had a, uh, uh one child policy. Mm-hmm. And the consequence of that is a lot of fathers wanting boys, right? Boys carry the, the family legacy is, uh, the worldwide tradition, you know, up until this point, at least, uh, that men carry on the, the family legacy, very few cultures where that isn't true. And for him, you know, for this policy to be enacted meant a lot to a lot of families. And there were a lot of abandoned girls, right? Because, oh, if you had a, if you had a girl, she's going to be dropped off by the stork on someone's doorstep uh, at an orphanage and we're going to try again. And it just had this cataclysmic effect on Chinese culture and society and in ways that they're still feeling. They're still feeling the consequences of that. Uh, I think they've, they finally, you know, turned that, turn that off, but uh, I'll have to check. I, I, I can't for sure. I think remember. so too. I, I think that's my impression, they, right? Um, yeah, but it, it did damage a lot of damage. And so that's just a really simple, subtle thing, but I also love that they kept her, but it also kind of speaks to her father uh, and the way he treats her. Um, and there's, so there's layers here. If you kind of understand some of the other cultural impacts, uh, and that's the little I know, and I know very little of, uh, Asian culture at large, much less Chinese culture. I know bits and pieces, kind of what I've known from a, a handful of friends. I didn't grow up around a lot of Asian kids, small, tiny Texas town. So big surprise there. Uh, I only knew a, a few Asian kids in my school, uh, which was kind of a surprise, you know, if, if you consider that my town population was like less than 1500. And so, yeah, you wouldn't expect any, but yeah. So that and whatever comedians, right. Uh, as, as they lovingly joke about this and that. And so, yeah, from there we see her first jump, switching her shoes to the wrong feet. Right. And imagine being in the, the janitor's closet. Uh, I love the idea that for her to break out of her shell, she has to do things that feel wrong. Right putting your shoes on the wrong opposite feet feels wrong. Imagine being somewhere other than where you are for her feels wrong to actually live somewhere else. Uh, we see at the opening, right? She's sitting at a, 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 her desk receipts all around. Her husband's trying to get her to think about a party, 
She's like, no, you need to be thinking about the food. I need to be thinking about these taxes. You need to be thinking about my dad who's about to wake up. He just got in from China. You know, he's hungry uh, and he's trying to get her to live outside the moment and to be something else. And so for her first experiences to, you know, be something other than what she really truly is, why would I ever have shoes on the wrong feet? Why would I ever imagine being anywhere other than exactly where I'm at right now? And so this is the first step in getting her to relate to joy uh, who struggles. Yeah. I love that this is an R rated movie for nothing other than language and kind of bloody gags. Mm-hmm. They could have went the safe route. They could have made this a PG 13 film, uh, which to me also indicates that the rating system is wrong. This should be a PG 13 film. I don't see uh, a good case being made that, you know, a 13 year old can't deal with the, the bloody gags uh, if they want uh, or with, you know, bad language. Like there's, there's nothing to me that suggests that I couldn't have handled this as a 13 year old um, though. Maybe I also didn't have the normal life of a 13 year old uh, <laughs> more. more no, no, I agree. Eventually. I agree. I mean, there, there's a little bit of, you know, blood that would be scary to maybe an eight year old, but like, if you're talking about 10, 11, 12, like, yeah, you know, 13, I, I think it'd be fine. Like I, I wouldn't want to want my son necessarily to watch this. I think it's a little bit, a little bit violent, but you know, in a couple of years, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I love that. They said, you know what? Screw it. We're, we're going to tell the story that we're trying to tell, not the one that's commercially friendly at best. Uh, that's a bold decision actually. Um, whenever you have investors, <laughs> they want as broad a release, as broad of an audience as possible. And they said, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> yeah. Hats off, man. That's a great decision. Great decision. I think it's worth it. Uh, and it pays dividends, right? Even in the rock universe, right? They make a language joke. They even make a language joke in it. Um, yeah. And she literally points out that it's a joke. Uh, and then she heightens it by, you know, dropping an F-bomb. Uh, beautiful. Just excellent um, use, of, use of an R rating. Obviously, I mean, I, this doesn't even need to be pointed out again, but tons of little flourishes with clock ticking, transition shots, just thinking through how can we tie emotional beats to visual gags, right? That whole empathy fight, uh, I heard it described as an empathy fight after she starts taking on uh, Wayman's perspective, right? The googly-eyed fight. Uh, and she's going up the staircase and one by one fighting them through giving them what they need. What? Oh my God. You have to think through so much as a writer to say, okay, we need something that's visually exciting that works as a fight, but also can double as emotional therapy. Um, and so from the, the grenade that turns into to the perfume that had to be set up in the first act, right? The first 10 minutes when she meets that guy uh, and he's like, oh, your perfume reminds me. That's exactly what my wife wore. So you can have a call back to that at the end in the third act. Yes. <laughs> like you have to think through that and okay, it'll be a grenade and that'll turn into a perfume bottle. And then, you know, she runs into the, the next guy, right? And she gives him a neck massage that easily also looks like she's breaking his neck and it becomes a thank you. <laughs> flashbacks but it also doubles as a flashback for uh, an x-ray we can now point out exactly what's happening and why it's therapeutic that's all very visual and and emotionally engaging and so many things right just all these little flourishes that take a lot of thought and combining that with a great execution the the ratatouille guy (laughs) so so 
how do you put emotion into something so ridiculous, <laughs> right? Where there's a raccoon who is controlling a guy under his hat, a chef under his hat, right? And he's been exposed by her in that in that world. And and they've gotten the raccoon taken away and he's so heartbroken. And so she carries him like and throws him. And it's absolutely insane, ridiculous and hilarious. And yet at the same time, so emotional because it's tied in with all the other like really actual, you know, identifiable between me and you emotional things. Right. So the, I think the your example of the 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 x-ray of the guy who had the bad back is a great example. Like I I hurt my back the other day. My my back I'm like in a lot of pain. And there's I totally identify with that. You know, this guy has probably been in pain his whole life and so she's just easing that for him. And then right after that we see this ridiculous thing, but it's very emotive for that individual, right? So now we're saying we're saying it's not about you identifying it's about you empathizing, you you seeing from that point of view, even if you don't have an experience of that. Maybe you've never hurt your back before, you know, uh, that that's fine. But you got to understand, like, how limiting that is to a human being. And now when you understand that or, or you try put yourself in, in, in that feeling, all of a sudden it becomes emotional when that person gets relief, right? I've never been... I've never been in the in the service and away from my family for six months or a year. But why is it when I watch videos of of you know uh, soldiers coming home and hugging their children, I lose my shit, like crying. You know, it's because I can see, I can feel that emotion. I can empathize with that. So, uh, and I think anybody watching those videos is the same same thing. This is the same thing, but it's it's taking it to a whole nother level that is not part of this universe, which is this can happen. This raccoon can control this, this chef. This could happen. This is happening somewhere right now, right? The sausage fingers relationship. This is happening somewhere right now. It has to be ridiculous. If it's just a little different, it's not enough. It's got to be so different that there's no way you could have imagined it, right? There's no way you could have expected that to, that to be on the screen. That it, and and then to make it emotional is just brilliant. It, it's so brilliant, right? Um, not just in the writing, but in in the editing and in the music too, because the music ties it all together, right? It brings the 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 guy with the hurt back into the situation with the sausage fingers, into the situation with the raccoon, into the situation with the perfume. It all ties it all together. It's just, it's it's great. I love that moment. It's so good. I love jumping a little bit here. Uh, yeah. I love Stephanie Sue's patience. She, her performance, I'm really just wowed. Uh, but she's so patient on screen to take up space. Like she's never in a rush to get to the punchline, to her line. Even that moment, right, when she's saying, sucked into a bagel, she's singing it. And right. you could feel just this pregnant pause as she's just staring at us, you know, sucked into the bagel. And she really just, throughout the entire film, she finds these beautiful moments to just wait, to make you wait, to see what's coming. I just, that's hard to do as an actor sometimes, to to be comfortable taking up space. Like, 
it's it's a it's a challenge and you have to commit to the moment you have to trust your director sometimes you know your director might tell you take your take a beat take your time and you have to lean into it sometimes because i i'm of the opinion make the director say a little faster Mm -hmm. push it push it and then once once they say a little faster you're like okay now i know where my limit is because if you don't it's just going to constantly be okay let's go one more time take your time you know really count to 10 in your head, you know, uh, or whatever. And, and when he says count to 10, count to 15. <laughs> that is a great acting note. That is, that's a really great acting note. Take your time as much as you can and have the director speed you up. Yeah. Cause yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the crappy acting I see is because it's, I mean, partially, not all, not completely, but a lot of it is like super fast, like too fast. Right. Like not as fast as a normal conversation would be, you know, I would, I wouldn't have pauses, you know, necessarily if I'm just saying these words. Right. But if I'm thinking and reacting, right. Yes. And it's all about knowing your moment, knowing your scene, because there's other scenes, right. Where, where Stephanie and, uh, uh, gosh, Michelle and Michelle and key they're they're all just trampling each other. They, they all can't get their lines out fast enough, right? Uh, the, in that moment when she's trying to describe Ratatouille and she calls it Raccoon, Raccoonie, um, mm-hmm. right? They're all just right on top of each other, just trampling. Um, and it's great. It's chaotic um, and it's hilarious. I love Stephanie Sue's reaction, um, the way she plays uh, the, the, the humor of seeing you know joy seeing her mom get it wrong by such a wide margin (laughs) like you're trying to trying to think of a rat and you said a raccoon and she just loses it she's just laughing like you're talking about ratatouille (laughs) and the more she thinks about it the loud the funnier it gets to her like and it's finding the moment of what requires a beat what doesn't and it's just feeling it because sometimes you like if you're on gilmore girls i'm sorry you don't get a beat uh, it's just yeah. all go, 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 go. That's part of the style, part of the tone. And it's trusting your director whenever they say, hey, go faster here. Faster means faster. Um, but take your time. That means take your time too. And I'm I'm hoping and expecting a, for a lot of fun things to come from uh, Stephanie Sue. She's just really dynamite. I, I loved how they used Joy and Wayman for exposition, right? Just in case just in case you might've lost an audience member between uh, the first 20 minutes, we're going to now circle back insert joy and Wayman into the mix and make sure they're explaining to the audience exactly what's happening. Right. They start narrating moments of potential confusion just so that we're crystal clear and not going to lose anything. Whenever Evelyn is fighting the security guard and they knock each other in the head with pipes and they lose their powers that's whenever they're starting, uh, Joy is like, I think they lost their powers. Wayman, because Wayman is asking her, like, what what just happened? Because they just start slap fighting, right? They don't know what they're doing. Um, yeah. And Joy has to explain to him, I think they lost their powers. Oh, we'll do XYZ. That's not weird enough, right? And she's just coaching the audience through just in case. Um, but it's logical. It works within the story uh, because that's the kind of thing that Joy would understand and, and pick up on faster than Wayman. And then as a team, they kind of start clicking like, oh, no, no, no. Here's what she, she needs to do. And it's just a really, really smart way to, to add a little exposition. Make sure you're never losing anybody. Uh, keep, keep it all humming. Great point. 
I, oh man, this, this is tough. Okay. Uh, before we get into the, the, the really choppy waters here, um, I love the rock moment. I love that it happens visually at the perfect moment when Evelyn is so overwhelmed, right? She turns into a rock, uh, and it's, it's a great use of stillness to settle us from also being overwhelmed at this point in the story. There is just so much clicking, like visually we're taxed. We're about to need a reboot. <laughs> like we, we are just struggling. Right. Uh, but within the story, it makes complete perfect sense. Right. Evelyn is so overwhelmed, um, that she turns into a rock, right? This is where joy is. This is where joy is sitting. Um, she's, she's a rock. She's unmoving, unfeeling, non-speaking, right? Uh, we're sitting at the edge of a cliff, right? And this is all, all the things that Joy is experiencing. It's too much. And she has to go into this, this state of nothingness. Um, because right now she's staring at a cliff. And that's what she wants. She wants to go over. Um, it's a simple metaphor for suicide. One that I've used in one of our stories. Uh, it's just very easy to grasp uh, of the magnitude of everything that's going on. Uh, and it's it's beautiful because uh, for for Evelyn... To help her daughter, she has to learn uh, to change herself first. And this ultimately evolves into uh, the, the empathy fright where, you know, she learns from Wayman about how necessary it is to, to love everything, even if it doesn't uh, romantically in your head sound like the thing. And I love that's the that's what we're getting out of that Wong Kar Wai sequence, right, uh, where they're in the alley and uh, Wayman is in this nice, you know, suit He's got these beautiful rimmed glasses on. Um, she's in this gorgeous dress. Everything's got this, you know, crazy tint. And we keep cutting in and out of these uh, undercrank step frame uh, for sequences. And it's just perfect for the the lesson for him to drop. Like, this is the stuff that I, I had to do to survive. You know, this is how I get through life is just embracing it. That's all. I'm not denying it. Just saying it's okay. And I can imagine another life. What does he say? Something like doing taxes with you sounds like a, like a good life. <laughs> well done, sir. I, yeah. I think this gets to the, the, the choppy waters. I mm. don't know if I'll eject or not. We'll, we'll see. But yeah, that's, that's fine. how do you interpret the, the bagel? Um, yeah. So it, obviously it's, it's, for me, what it's obvious is uh, depression, nihilism, um, and this whole film to me seems to be discussing how to be existential in the face of nihilism or how to embrace that without falling into the trap of nihilism. Um, and I love the use of science here because I feel like culturally we're more and more shifting away from religion that provides all these beautiful answers and solutions to everything. And, and instead we're more and more embracing science and the unknown and trying to know more. And as they say, the more, you know, it makes you feel small and significant, like a piece of shit, sometimes uh, worthless, meaningless. Uh, and so we're trying to find a balance of, we can embrace this existential, you know, existence uh, without going into nihilism. Um, and so you can't, the first time joy, uh, Evelyn is trying to meet joy or meet Jobu, right? Jobu is what joy really is. Uh, it's, it's, he's telling her 
Wayman is Alpha Wayman is telling her, don't don't do it. Don't even try it. You can't reason with Jobu. And that's because you can't reason with depression. It does not work. You can't do it. Mm -hmm. It's so good because what I love about the naming convention here is that her name is Joy. And it's speaking to the reasoning aspect. You can label it Joy. Won't make it so. Yeah. How do you... I got more, but how do you process that whole storyline between her daughter, her, her husband, the bagel, everything? <laughs> All at once. Uh, I mean, at first, the first on the first watch, I thought I didn't like it. At the first watch, I thought it was making it making light of that, of the heaviness and 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 real realism of 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 what that is. Cause I felt the same. I felt that, you know, there's so much weight and, and importance and I guess unimportance, I guess, I don't know at whatever this is, you're making it a fucking bagel. Like really, you know, but then the next time I watched it, I thought, of course, why not? Why not? It could be a bagel. It could be an actual black hole. It could be, a pizza it could be um a thought right that sucks you in and sucks you down and that sucks other people in with you people that you love like yeah why not why not i don't i honestly don't have a lot to say other than that it, it's okay. it it works for me now but the first time i watched it it, it didn't i because i again you know there was so much going on and the first viewing you you just can't, unless you're it, I, you can process a lot more than than I can at one time. It's really hard to see all these things for what they are supposed to be, what they're meant to be, right? And so the sausage fingers and the raccoonie and the 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 bagel and stuff. I didn't really get it at first, but the second time I watched it, I totally got it. At, as in like, I don't. Everybody's going to have their different view of it i think but the point is is that it could be something as as small as a memory right her memory of um uh her thinking that it would have been better had she not been you know married him um at one point could could destroy her could destroy her reality you know absolutely absolutely you put everything into think into a thought like that could destroy everything your relationship with him, your business, your your relationship with your daughter and your father, like all of all of these things. And so it's it's dangerous. It's a it's a it's a dangerous thing. But how do you stop it? You know, when it happens, like when it's created, how do you stop it? Like that's the same thing as a as a black hole. It's just gonna suck you in unless you have something to latch onto, some kind of grounding, you know. Like something as small as googly eyes. I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm not sure, but yeah. What, tell me a little bit about how you feel about it. Yeah, I think I it punched me in the face the first time. It was like, it's so funny, I guess, just how you can sit next to someone and have a completely different experience. Uh, I love it. Because it it was the most obvious thing in the film for me because I also, of all these characters, joy, right? <laughs> Yeah. So I think for me, it's, yeah, it, it's very obvious that, you know, it's a big metaphor for depression and suicidal ideation. I never 
I mean, you definitely towards the end, you know, understand how close she is to just being done with it all. But in the parking lot, it feel it doesn't feel quite as big whenever they're having this, you know, big mm-hmm. blowout emotional moment. Cause she's like, I'm just tired of this. I it's when I'm around you. And she starts to kind of point the finger at a mom. It's clearly not her mom, but it's a it's as good of avenue as any when you can finally put your finger on it like yeah i get it it's you if i can just escape you maybe it doesn't hurt as much um no it's still gonna be her uh because it's not a bagel that's the problem depression isn't a bagel existentialism nihilism it's not a bagel it's maybe for joy it's experiencing everything all the time and um and maybe part of it is her mom because we learn at the beginning right her mom saw the potential in joy and she pushed her to try to be all these things. And ultimately we can also extract that that's also Evelyn judging herself and, and vicariously inserting that into her daughter because Evelyn missed out on all these lives, all these opportunities, all these things that she wasn't. And we even hear her husband throw the gauntlet down in front of the IRS agent. When he says, I'm sorry, my wife confuses hobbies with careers, Mm. right? And that's a slap in the face to to Evelyn. And so these things are all intertwined together. It's Evelyn trying to push her daughter to be more than she was and her daughter not being up for it. Like maybe her daughter doesn't want to be anything. Maybe she just wants to enjoy life. Why is that wrong? It's not. This is all we get if you want to enjoy it. Watching video games and, you know, on YouTube, not even playing the games, just watching people, other, other people play video games that's okay there's no wrong way to really experience life other than not trying to experience it and enjoy it on your own terms i think that's the only real failure is choosing to not um whereas if you just do something whatever it is that makes you happy that brings you joy that's the that's the only thing you can do and so it's combining all these things like joy feeling overwhelmed with the the possibilities and uh feeling like a failure for not living up to any of it um, or just simply being so sensitive to everything in life that it overwhelms you i identify with that (laughs) Mm -hmm. as as most teenagers probably would like there's just it you know this world tries to pull everything from you and you have to you have to be on the defensive sometimes, but then also you have to be on the offensive sometimes. It's just, it's a, it's a whole lot. Of course it's going to be confusing, but I mean, very great point. Cause, cause I mean, in the end, you know, she's sitting there in the IRS office, all her family's around her and she's just taking in that moment. She's just taking it in. Like instead of living in a moment where she didn't marry him or living in a moment where she was, a, and, and she was a successful singer living in a moment where like, all of these other moments that could and do exist can exist other somewhere else. They can be, and you can be as well. And she actually is in that moment. And so it's, it's a little bit of honoring a lot of stuff. It's honoring her feeling her, her missed opportunities. It's honoring joy's feeling of, of just overwhelming demand from her mother and the world possibly uh, her uh and herself it's it's honoring her her husband she honors her husband's needs right like by kissing him in the lobby there and so he can be more of a more of 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 who he's supposed to be because he knows that she's behind him like honoring her father by bringing you know 
him with them. Like it's just all of those things, but it's all encapsulated in being present in that moment. Right. And, and experiencing, experiencing it for what it is. And granted, granted, I will say that it's so much easier to do, to say than do. Right. Especially when you're talking about depression, especially when you're talking about feeling overwhelmed, you know, and feeling like you need to be more than what you actually are. Like, I feel that every single day, all the time, constantly, you know, and I think you do too. And I think part of that can be a good thing. Part of that can be, well, it's, you know, okay, what am I going to do today? You know, or what am I going to plan for next or whatever? But when you let it define you in all your moments, like that's when the everything bagels are taking over, right? Absolutely. And that final shot is so good because as you pointed out, right, it's her looking around her family and her situation. She's she's still getting audited. That didn't go mm-hmm. away. Yeah, that's not going away. Great. Yeah. And loving it. She's there. And what I love about that moment is we can hear all the other universes. We never cut away. And she shoves it away um, because it's tempting. It's still there, but we can see she's still present and and she doesn't allow herself to get pulled away into other universes. Yeah. Um, We never cut away. We stay right there with her and she stays right there. Uh, It's okay to be a little distracted. It's one of those old, whatever silly adages of you can't determine what birds fly over your head, but you can uh, decide which ones to to give a nest. You you don't always get to choose your thoughts, you know, Uh, but you can, as much as you can choose what you, you contemplate on. Yeah. You can reject. And, and it goes back to what Wayman says, alpha Wayman says, whenever he's given her that big breakdown, um, when he compares it to the clay pot and he's right, he says, uh, it's like a clay pot. Every time you experience one of these other lives, every time as an analogy, every time you think about what an opportunity you miss, something that could have been that creates a crack in your, in your pot and water can leak through. But what does he tell her in time with practice? you'll be able to heal those cracks. And it's just about practicing being mindful, being present and letting go and being okay with that. Because ultimately that's what she has to do. Once she's able to finally experience what joy is experiencing. Once she's able to kind of walk in her shoes and see the temptation. Cause there's, it's close for Evelyn too. She, she almost lets herself go. Once she returns, gets her feedback, right? She now has to let joy go. But at the same time, fight for her. She can't control everything. Uh, and that's that moment in the parking lot, right? Where she just uh, says, wait, no, you are fat, <laughs> right? That's, yes. that's this great moment of, I'm still me. I still feel the way I feel. Yet, I want you. Uh, Joy is trying to leap into the abyss, right? And I love this moment when she's almost gone and Evelyn grabs her, right? And she says, I'm your mother. And then Gong Gong grabs Evelyn. Then everyone else holds on. It's a community. And it's getting at the social aspect, I think, of depression. Because it's such a weird thing. It feels individual, but it's always, I think, in relation to community and to uh, your social life. It's a feeling of worthlessness. But what gives you worth if not other people? It's a weird tangle. Yeah. You want to be left alone? but you don't, you want, you want people around you. It's, 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 it's exactly what joy is experiencing. She wants to, to let go, but she wants her rock mom to chase her. Don't chase me, but chase me. Uh, it's, 
it's weird. You need people. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I lo- how do you I, tackle that in a film? It's it's un, it's unbelievable how well they do that. It is to because where you would get it in a movie filled with action and beautiful, crazy, wild sequences. The big climax happens in a parking lot with a hug. Yeah. Come on, fuck me up, Daniels. Like y'all, <laughs> y'all, y'all did it, man. That's such a great, simple idea. Like the the visual effects are really fantastic with the bagel spinning out of control, sucking things in. Like they didn't settle for that being the big moment, though. They settled for a hug to really encapsulate yeah. everything you can't fix and everything you got to do. Like it's just what else? Yeah. I I I'll I'll let that whole conversation go with that i guess i will circle back to two jokes um one that i really loved uh and one that i thought they should have cut yes this gets into a criticism okay cool. Um, the one that i love is the bondage uh because it's so it's so like left field and it might feel inappropriate but i love that it was significant for that character uh that what made him feel loved and seen was snm or whatever you call it uh it's like ball gags and like being spanked right and she met that need she was like i see you i'll give you what you need to feel whole that's a really cool thing to not be judgmental on because i don't get the bdsm thing i don't know maybe someday i will but (laughs) but it's not in my repertoire at the moment i i I appreciate though that they explored that and they 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 didn't qualify it. They just said, it's okay to, for you to feel loved this way um, and not feel judged because of it. Uh, and they put that on display. That's, that's a really cool idea. Um, the joke that I didn't think should have been in there, um, in part, was the pinatas. They, they have the first version. There's two cuts to the pinata. The first one I thought was great. Worked fine. It's silly. Um, played right in. But they... They do it again, I think, at the wrong time. They should have cut it, where this is the a big emotional flow is happening, like huge. There's so much momentum. The music is building. Um, and then they cut to uh, the them as a pinata. This is where I think it's the fight scene. It's the fight scene between Joe Boo and Evelyn. Okay. And they are going at it. They're cutting in and out. And this is all about Evelyn transitioning each fight into something beautiful and harmless. She's like, I'm going to take your punches and I'm going to take your baton that you're trying to kill me with. I'm going to turn it into flowers and I'm going to take your, you know, your, your punch and turn it into a hug. Right. It's her fighting. It's the empathy fight. It's the extension of the empathy fight of I'm going to take what Wayman has taught me. I'm going to use it for you. And there's just this beautiful emotional through line that's coming through. And then we suddenly drop it all to hang out as pinatas and I think ideally it makes complete sense. It works on the page, but in the flow of the edit and what the audience is experiencing, I think it's a terrible idea because it interrupts our emotional through line. And now when we cut back, we have to restart. Yeah. I felt that too. You killed our flow and it's, it's better to keep that emotional uh, roller coaster moving at that point. The, the rhythm is too strong. Um, the emotions are too high. Uh, there are times some films can use a joke in order to compound the emotional punch 
through maybe some kind of demonstration of like unity or connection. Uh, that happens. I'm not saying a joke can never work in those circumstances. This joke doesn't because pinatas are literally disconnected, stagnant, and you you killed your music. And it's just it's just a bad call, I think. And I think that that sequence in this film ultimately uh, has a much bigger right hand to knock you out if you just cut that seven second joke. Um, it, it, it was the wrong call without it. Suddenly you, as an audience, we are being steamrolled emotionally and the best way possible. You're winding up your big, big punch, uh, for the parking lot. And if you, if, if you keep that momentum going, I think the, the delivery is just, it, everyone will be absolutely crying. Not that we don't get there anyway. Uh, but it's, it's the difference between, you know, a really good cry that you hold back and everyone just having an ugly cry that you can't. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's still good some point. good ugly cries in here, but I think that's just one small moment, really ill-placed um, that, that could have been a little bit stronger. Or, I, I mean, honestly, I think it could have been uh, a, a nuclear bomb instead of like whatever, a, a carpet bombing. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Okay. Anything else <laughs> that you would have changed? I don't think so, man. I am in awe. I'm really, truly in awe. Uh, every time I watch some of these sequences, especially the sequence right before The Rock, that's when they do what must be 200 clips. Just fly right by. I'm sure someone out there has got like a tumbler filled with every single frame that they flash by. Uh, I would love to see that. I would love to see each one of those frames broken out. Some of them, because of the nature, like pop out really well. There's uh, before that sequence, there's another sequence where they're kind of flashing through and you have that weird alien monster wagging his tongue. Uh, it's so yeah. brief. It's all of like five frames, maybe, but it's so good. It's just so weird and uh, it, it plays really well. No, I, I don't. I think if anything, I would love to pick their brains and mm -hmm. yeah. I'm not one to watch a lot of behind the scenes stuff, but this is one I'm tempted to just go through a few videos and see what did they do. Um, oh, dude, I would digest all of that for this film. It's for just sure. beautiful. I, I would love, I, I, I'll probably go read the script. I'm just curious how much was on the page versus uh, just hint at it. We got the book, you know, we got everything set aside. We can move on. Like this is, we're directing it. So we don't need to put every single frame into the film. Um, I don't even think it's possible to put every frame of this movie into the, into the script, but yeah, so I'll read the script. I'm, I'm, I'd love to see what their director's notebook, their, their director's book looks like just to see how they prepared. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not even sure what the budget and shooting time was. I I'll be impressed if this was less than eight weeks. In fact, I'm going to, Oh my look. God, no way. No right. Way. There's just no I way this has to that. be minimum I mean, three months, know. minimum three months. I can see how some of these sequences could probably go pretty quick just because you're doing a lot of stuff in the office building. That's, mm -hmm. that's easy to build, but yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. Any, uh, any final thoughts, man? Uh, just the, um, that, that I think one of the reasons I identify, well, obviously the personal reasons, you know, that we've already addressed, I identify with film, but also just this notion and concept of infinity. Um, really, it, I, I just absolutely adore it what okay what your face yeah you just made a face sorry i just lost my mind this can't you be found right. something yes okay 25 million dollar budget which i can believe it's they stretched it to the absolute maximum but i can believe that 
what I can't believe is that they shot this within 37 or 38 days. Um, oh my gosh, that the, is a marathon. That is a marathon. Wow. My God. It's like a two hour marathon. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's how do you do that? Man. I, I wonder I mean, if that's they had, calendar they couldn't days have... or if that's production days. That's gotta be production days at a minimum. Cause then now yeah. you're talking like closer to, to two months um, calendar wise, but they probably did like, all the laundromat shots and then all the office shots and you know a week here and now we're going to go to the office now a week here or two weeks here whatever and i I mean right you can't go back and forth i don't know you gotta be on it on it wow yeah that's impressive very that's amazing wow (laughs) sorry Um, you were saying yeah no 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 you're good i'm glad you brought that up no, just this concept of, of infinity and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, everything, what is everything and everywhere, what is everywhere and all at once, it, it like kind of blows my mind. And, and, you know, when growing up, I grew up uh, Catholic and, you know, the concept that God always was and always will be, I just, it, you know, and I think that everybody who thinks about that, it like literally breaks your brain. Like people will go insane thinking about it but I love thinking about it. I love having a thought where I literally could say no. If you ask me how to describe it, I could not put, I, I couldn't open my mouth and put words on it and having a, cause I can pretty much talk about bullshit about anything, but ha- having something in my brain that I, there's, it's impossible to say words to describe really just makes me feel so good. You know, some people it might be scary, but to me, it makes me feel so good to think about everything, every possibility, possibility happening right now, all at the same time is, is awesome. So this concept of infinity is wonderful to me. I, I, I listen to, to, um, uh, lectures about it all the time and scientists talking about it and it, it's just fantastic. So any kind of movie like that, I just adore and then when you combine it with emotion uh, and feeling, then all of a sudden that that infinity is in like my infinity is different from your infinity because my brain is different than your brain, you know, and and then so then there's an infinity of infinities. Right. And oh, that now we're going now we're having fun. Uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful concept that we we are aware enough to know exists, but not aware enough to understand. And I, I love that feeling. I love that this movie did a couple of things. I'll try not to forget them. One, it took a very common idea. That was the first comment you made when we walked out of the theater was everything's multiverse nowadays. Every, everyone's got a multiverse. And fair enough. Uh, walking into this movie, though, we expect a big interdimensional battle with some big bad and to discover that there is no big bad, uh, it's it's her daughter. It's you know more personal, more intimate, um, and therefore, as we said at the top of the episode, more real. Uh, was a great choice. I love that they took this really really big idea and turned it into such a simple idea, or maybe inverted. Right? They took a really simple idea, and made it very very big, and that's just such a great idea and a really good turn of the screw for the audience. Because walking in, I'm expecting you know some crazy alien monster who's going and devouring universes. Uh, and then when they flip the, flip the card over and you're like, Oh, it's her daughter. 
wait, what are those stakes? Oh, I see the stakes. That's such a good subversion of expectations. I, I know some shows recently I've tried to subvert expectations and they do a terrible job. Uh, it's, it's really hard to do that uh, in such a satisfying way that they did here, you know, in, in everything everywhere. Uh, the other thing that I love that they did, you know, putting one foot back into the depression conversation is they made that conversation accessible and palatable for everyone. That's a really heavy topic that not everyone gets. And so to translate that in a way to make it fun, engaging, uh, without overwhelming you, that's a really hard chore and they did it. And I, I don't know if I've seen any other film, many other films, I can think of maybe one, uh, but even that it's, it's, it's hard. It's really hard to, to make this something that people who don't live in this kind of world want to engage with, but I'm sure tons and tons of people who haven't had any experience with depression uh, were able to enjoy this, see it and maybe understand a little bit more, you know, uh, and maybe interact a little bit more with a part of humanity that they're not as familiar with because it's very easy for someone who's never struggled with it to say, Oh, you just need to go for a walk. You just need to get some sunshine. Yeah. Well, maybe that, that might be true, but you got to remove the just <laughs> like that could help. Yeah. Uh, but this isn't going to just fix shit. Like it, it, it could help, you know, put me in the right direction. Get me, get me moving, get me out of bed, but there is no just because it's not a thing you can put your finger on. Uh, it's not a thing that you can fix with a solution. Um, it's, it's much bigger than that. Uh, and it's, it's harder to tackle. And so going through something like this, making it accessible, uh, making the conversation without, dragging everyone down underneath the water uh while also dragging everyone underneath the water right that's that's evelyn's whole journey um and it's such i just yeah i'm glad we watched it again i probably was never going to watch this movie again to be honest uh watching it the mm. first time i was like i'm good yeah now watching it again i'm like okay yeah this this is something to revisit from time to time for sure i i suggested it because when i got back in town from from austin when i was there visiting um, my mother-in-law was here uh, helping with the kids while I was there and she and my wife both wanted, they said, Hey, we want to, let's watch everything everywhere. I was like, really? You want to, <laughs> okay. Because, you know, anytime my wife says she wants to watch a movie, I'm oh, totally down. Cause she's so, she's storied out. I mean, her whole life has been about reading stories and, and, and everything. So, so she thinks that most movies are terrible and, uh, I mean, in a way, she's probably right. Um, but she thinks that most stories are terrible. Most stories are very obvious. I won't say movies, I'll say stories. Um, so when she said she wanted to watch this, I said, oh, you're in for it because you've never seen a story like this. This is different. And then even when I told her that we were doing this as an episode, she said, oh, I'll watch that again with you. It's like, oh, what? Wow. Okay. And she wept. Wow. You know, she just wept. I'm like, see, some stories are really, really good. No. So anyway. Yeah, she's you know, uh, I'm, I'm glad we did it. She's on another level when it comes to like English story analysis. Like she uh, she puts us both to shame. Um, she just knows she can see shit coming from yeah. a mile away. That's yeah. the thing. It's like it's hard to surprise her. You know, for me, I, I'm just you know stupid going along with it like oh that happened yeah you know uh but but she can see it a mile away so anyway that's awesome 
Um, yeah. What What are you going to recommend this week? So, I, you know, I was thinking, I was like, okay, do I do like a multiverse kind of recommendation thing? But I hate almost all multiverse movies now. I just don't like them because they're too basic, which is why I love this one, because it's not basic at all. So I went with something that was a little bit, it's not multiverse, but it's it's memory-based and uh, different life-based. It's going to be totally off the cuff for you, but I'm going to recommend Hook because I know, right? Because like, of what? Spielberg and Key, why? Robin Williams. Mm. Robin Williams. And uh, because he just does it so well, it's, you know, I, I, he's a, he turns out, yeah. Anyway, it's a, I don't want to ruin anything if you haven't seen Hook, but I'm going to recommend it. It's, it's about memory, remembering who you are, and yet at the same time being, being present and, and, and loving who you've become and letting who you are dictate, you know, um, uh, still help define who you, who you were, help define who you are now. So. Dang, that's really good. I was walking in. I was, I actually intended to recommend uh, What Dreams May Come, uh, another Robin Williams story. Really? That tackles oh my all God. the same stuff. But somewhere yeah. halfway through, I realized I I want to recommend another film because uh, people might be familiar with Wet Dreams, but pe- a lot of people probably aren't as familiar with another story called, and it's it's a t- it's a toughie. Uh, it's called Risk Cutters, a love story. Uh, it's it's almost as brutal as it sounds. Uh, it's certainly about suicide, depression, all these things. Uh, but it tries. To, this is the other film I was talking about that puts a, a, a comedic punch to it. Uh, and so it's not as heavy as it sounds. Um, it's it's very dark humor. And so if you want another film tackling tough subjects uh, with really, you know, dark, edgy humor, this is the one for you. Risk Cutters. Um, I forget the guy's name. Uh, it's the, I know. Uh, it's, the, it's the kid from, oh my God, Almost Famous and uh, okay. Sh- Shannon Sossman, uh, who's, you know, fantastic. And so, yeah, yeah I... I one more time, I recommend wrist cutters. Um, okay, can we stop saying that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. And so stay but tuned. Yeah, great. Stay tuned for uh, next week. Uh, do you have an opinion on this or that? Yeah, that's great. Oh, uh, uh, returns. Okay, uh, we'll take. I a don't look. know the other one just because I don't really know. The other one. Oh, fair enough. We'll we'll take a look at the sequel to the Mummy, and I think this will be very illuminative of that first conversation. And so we'll we'll check out the Mummy Returns and and see uh, if they make the jump or not. And so stay tuned for that. And if you're enjoying the show, want to see the, the the show notes, don't forget to subscribe, review, and leave us a note. And you can see the show notes at thepestlepodcast.com slash everything everywhere all at once and our quote of the day today is from uh oh it's it's a persian adage a persian king called his sages and asked them for one quote that would be accurate at all times and in all situations they went into deep contemplation and finally told the king this too shall pass and yeah i I don't know what to say i think it's uh, yeah at at the end of the day i've heard another version of that where it's you know Tell me something that if you said it in happy times would would make me sad. And if you said it in sad times would bring me happiness. Uh, and mm. that was the response. This too shall pass. Like, no matter what it is, if you hold out long enough, it'll pass. Like, I, yeah. I know it sucks to say that in, in the context of a good moment. <laughs> but uh, but certainly in the times of bad moments, like, they, they can't endure forever. 
on average. Like I'm sure that you can dream up a, a you know, a circumstance that it can drag on forever. Uh, but on average, most things pass, most things go away and there, this, the sun does come back out. Yeah. So whatever you're dealing with, hang on. I totally, totally agree. I've heard that a long time and I, I think it, it's definitely more welcoming than it is. Yeah. Maybe that's my brain. I don't know, but I think it's, it definitely feels better, um, than not, if that makes sense. So, because maybe I'm a glass half full person, but in the bad times, it obviously feels good. You know, this too shall pass, right? But in the good times, it also feels good because it makes me be there. It makes me think, oh, if this is going to pass, I'm going to be here right now. You know, like I, I need to, I need, or I need to be here right now. I need to focus on that. I need to, like, what's good? Oh, my, you know, what's good around me and find those things. Instead of thinking, instead of brooding on, oh my gosh, it's going to go away, you know, like I'm going to be sad again one day, you know, whatever. Maybe, I don't know, maybe that's how I am. I'm not, sh- I'm not sure, but it's definitely a better than, it's a glass half full situation yeah. for me, at least at this point. So, and maybe that's a, maybe that's a litmus test of how are you feeling, right? Huh. You say that and like, does that make you feel mostly okay? Or like mostly better, or does it make you feel mostly worse? Like I don't know, but it's it's brilliant, brilliant adage. Truly, love ending it. All right, well, thank you guys so much for joining us. I I mean, we this is a two hour episode or something like close, close maybe yeah. maybe close like hour and forty five, but I knew it would be. Yeah. You know, with a film like this, we could talk about it for days. Yeah, so thank you guys for joining us. Really appreciate it. Make sure to join us next week where we cover The Mummy Returns and share us with your friends, review us, tell us what you'd like to see us do. Uh, we, we'd love to hear from you. And who knows, maybe we'll maybe we'll cover a film that you suggest. Uh, until next time, I'm Todd. I'm Wes. Go watch the movies. Mm-hmm.